Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman. I'm Janet. I'm Mel. I'm Helen. I'm Vanessa. So if you take a walk down your beverage aisle at your local grocery store, chances are you'll find a few options for kombucha tea. More commonly referenced as just kombucha, it's a fermented drink made with tea, sugar, bacteria, and yeast that contains a variety of vitamins and acids. This is very technical. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, wow. We're going there. And believed to help various health conditions. It's funny because I I know what it's made of because I get it all the time. But if you guys didn't know, this is what it's… There's medical (laughs) beverage… Medical beverages? (laughs) Medical benefits of drinking kombucha. Yeah. I am a long, long time kombucha fan. Um, and one brand I will say that you should not miss is Health Aid. Mm-hmm. Um, Health Aid, you'll recognize it because the logo is really cute. It's like a little anchor. And I am so excited that today we have with us one of the co-founders of Health Aid, Vanessa Dew. Yay, Thank you so much for being with us, Vanessa. Vanessa actually started Health Aid in 2012 with a husband and wife team, Justin and Dane Trout. Um, so her journey leading to her entrepreneurial path includes first starting out with a BS in biochemistry from UCSD. So we have a smarty here with us today. And she also got her MBA from USC Marshall School of Business. And she started out actually with specialty in sales and marketing in pharma. So that's her background. Uh, Very, very strong background to have started a kombucha company. And uh, Vanessa actually took the brand from farmer markets which is like kind of your local your local farmer markets, all the way to a nationwide recognized brand sold in 30,000 stores, including Whole Foods, Target, and Trader Joe's, which are all the places that I, I so shop. I shop. <laughs> yeah. She's also been awarded the Next Gen Innovation Award and has spoken on her entrepreneurial journey from Singapore to New York City and actively mentors and advises young CPG companies. We are so excited to learn more about Vanessa's entrepreneurial journey, her path to reclaiming her identity, her motherhood triumphs and tribulations, and also her approach to health. Welcome to the podcast, Vanessa! Thank you for having me! Such an honor to be with other ABGs. Oh, 
Well, thank you so much for being here. I feel like we've crossed paths so many times, but we've never sat down to actually talk about like your fascinating background that we all heard about just now. So excited to be diving into this conversation yeah. with you. Yeah. So like Janet mentioned, your background is in biochemistry and pharma. Smarty pants. UCSD did not. We just yeah. learned that you went to UCSD. Along with we've got some Go Tritons. Yeah. <laughs> Go Eagles. <laughs> I know, it, didn't, it didn't even come out right. Go Eagles. <laughs> like, okay, Go Boston, Eagles. you could, you know. Um, but we learned that obviously your key product was, in kombu- was kombucha, mm-hmm. which is about gut health. So that is very much aligned to your, your history and your learnings. What sparked the interest in science and also why kombucha? Yeah. So science, I feel like from an early, early age, I was, science and math came really easy to me. But what inspired me to get into the science world was actually my mom. She, as long as I could remember, since I'm five years old, was sick. Um, She had an autohemolytic disease and um, always in and out of the hospitals. And I just remember thinking like, if only I can cure her disease, like I'll be a doctor and I'll be the one to do it. Um, so that was my initial inspiration and science and math was just cool to me. And so as time went on, I I just thought it was cool and I learned about it. But my mom eventually got better. She's just a fighter, optimistic. And so, mm-hmm. you know, luckily she got better. Mm-hmm. But my inspiration for curing her disease gradually devolved into something, well, I guess I should be a doctor because that's what my parents really want me to be. Mm-hmm. And it's safe and the usual Asian thing, right? So mm-hmm. that's where I went into college studying biochem. Um, but when I got there, I was like, oh, this is not for me. Like I was in the lab. I was pipetting. I, I think You're I meant what? to be. Yes, exactly. It's like, <laughs> what are you doing? I was like, I heard petting. And um, <laughs> not meant to be in a lab. So that's when I made the switch to in front of house, still within science and pharmaceuticals. Mm. But kombucha actually didn't come into my life until maybe I was like 22, 23. Mm-hmm. And it was right after college. I was drinking probably venti soy lattes with like, three extra shots, super unhealthy, super Mm -hmm. high sugar. And I was just going through a lot of digestive issues. I was like, I need to find something to replace this because this Mm -hmm. is not a, this is not a good, healthy and expensive habit. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I started buying kombucha at the time to help me replace that, Mm -hmm. that kind of craving Mm -hmm. to drink something all day. Um, It wasn't until 2012 that me and my co-founders got into kombucha, not because we thought it was our life's work. Honestly, we were going to brew kombucha to create a hair loss product. It's a very little known story that we talk about. Um, But we started an entrepreneur club when I was in business school and it was to talk about different pains in society, whether it be parking spot finding. Um, This pain was actually Justin losing his hair as a late 30s, late 20s year old dude. And he was so depressed and we thought we're going to create an all natural hair loss product. This is one of the Mm. co-founders, right? Mm -hmm, Justin, mm -hmm. okay, yeah. And um, we started brewing kombucha, not to drink, but to actually brew the culture as a hair loss mask. I didn't know that. That's so cool. Yeah. And so we started brewing this for that culture. In the end, we realized we're not scientists. We're not clinicians. We're doing this in our closet. We didn't know (laughs) if it was his hair or the dog's hair. (laughs) So we decided to scrap that product and sell the kombucha because all our friends loved it. Mm. Sell it at the farmer's market and sold out. We kind of made more, it sold out, and 11 years later, here we are. Was this during the wave of when kombucha, like, had just kind of, it felt like it hit the scene. I'm sure it's been around for a long time, but I I remember there was, like, a wave of, like, Mm. everyone's doing kombucha. Yeah. Was it during that, before that, or? It was a little bit before the peak of Mm. everyone doing it. Um, There were probably two 
big brands that were out at that time before us, but we didn't really pay attention to them. It was like, we want to create a high quality, good tasting kombucha that doesn't make people think it tastes like feet. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what people thought. <laughs> yeah. And we wanted it to like be a badge of coolness rather than something that's super alternative. Yeah. And something that was relevant to consumers, millennials, and, you know, upcoming Gen Z. So that's really the impetus for the brand position. Dang. How did you get it from a hair mask to a drinkable product? Yeah. So it was, um, again, we're, you know, making it in our closet. We're making it. In like, let me just taste this. <laughs> my dad, he literally did not know what it was in my closet. He thought I was growing marijuana. He was oh, like, that's this hilarious. is illegal. Um, <laughs> So, you know, we're brewing the culture, we're tasting it with like little tasting cups. And it is a very homegrown process. If anyone's ever tried it at home, you know, it's a very like local, intimate like yeah. setting that you mm. brew your culture and kombucha, but it's mm. hard to maintain. And that's yeah. why people just don't do it often. Janet, have you ever tried to make it yourself? I have not, but I have thought about yeah. it multiple times because I know that they call, is it the Scooby? Scooby. Yeah. Scooby. Mm -hmm. The Scooby is the little yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, I know that brewing your own kombucha is like a very... Um, like it's like a, it's a thing I probably should, should do versus like buying it all the time. Right. But, uh, I want to say that also health aid, I think, cause I was one of those people that was a little bit more alternative and drinking the other brands and they are like, I love the taste of it, but a lot of people found it to be a little off putting. So you guys definitely made it more mainstream with the flavor profiles. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah that's just something I, I kind of wanted to share. And it's really interesting to hear about how you were creating it in your closet so I'm curious, like, what then inspired the flavors? Mm. That? Yeah. So because we were selling in the farmers markets, we really wanted to create that high quality product, and we want we were sourcing from farmers that were at the farmers oh, markets nice. that yeah. were selling right next to us. So it was whatever was in season. So ginger lemon is a great staple for immunity. My favorite. Yeah. Um, at Pink Lady Apples were in season. Mm. Great pears. So whatever was there from the actual farmers mm. is what inspired a lot of our flavors because that. You know, we thought of ourselves at the time as a farmer's market brand. And gradually mm. that evolved as we started to hit scale with more mainstream stores. Um, but that really was the start of our flavor creation. Mm. And then, back to your point, um, creating flavors that were relevant to people that were a little bit more mainstream, a little bit more approachable, yeah. something that wasn't off-putting. And people were like, oh, I could get behind Apple. Like, yeah, that seems yeah. like a normal flavor. Mm. Um, yeah. That's so cool. I think for me, because I actually like got into kombucha because more of Janet and then I start getting healthy all the time. So just to be sitting here, like hearing about your story is like kind of insane for me to be like, oh my gosh, she's the founder of this brand that I consume. Um, but I do want to take it back because I feel like I want to like learn more about Vanessa, like you as a person, like, do you mind kind of like sharing a little bit about your childhood and like, do you have any core memories from that time? Yeah. So I think my earliest memory was my grandma. So mm. my parents both worked and we grew up in the San Fernando Valley. And so it was very far away from all the Asian things in San Gabriel. Um, but my grandma is the one to really raise me uh, when my parents were at work. So, you know, I didn't go to preschool. I didn't go to daycare. She just kind of taught me grandma school of hard knocks, I guess. <laughs> but it was so fun because, you know, she taught me how to count. I remember writing the Chinese words. Aww. She taught me how to play blackjack and poker. Like, it was fun. Nice. Um, yes. And even when I started school, I went there after school. So yeah. it was just the best time. And I loved hearing her stories of escaping communist China, mm. being, you know, a socialite in Shanghai and her stories as a single mom leaving mm. Shanghai. Just there's such strength and like fierceness mm. in her stories that I wish I captured them. I mean, I was a kid, so I didn't know to capture yeah. them. Yeah. But I just remember like that really stuck with me. And I love her cooking. Like that is a core memory that will never leave me. 
That is so beautiful. I mean, I can definitely, all those characteristics you're naming of your grandmother, I can see how that that is like living on in you as an individual, as someone who's like creating companies and then now mentoring individuals. Um, So thank you for sharing that. I think a lot of our listeners also probably are very familiar with like relating, having close relationships with their grandparents because a lot of times parents are working. And, you know, so we develop a closer relationship with our culture and our history that way. Um, Yeah, I guess another core memory was being the only Asian person Mm. in Mm. the San Fernando Valley. I think I was like one of five in my whole school. Wow. And that shaped me very subconsciously in ways I didn't know even later on because I feel like that made me feel different. I always Mm. felt like I was straddling two worlds. I would Mm. do the Chinese thing on the weekends with Chinese school and going to San Gabriel Valley. Um, On the weekdays, I would be, you know, going to soccer and gymnastics and whatever it was. And I couldn't do sleepovers. It was just different. Mm. Um, And... I think that eventually led me to have all these insecurities about being Asian and just mm. who I am and being comfortable with that and being comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. Um, but that really was a memory that isn't pleasant um, when I look back on it, but it taught me a lot now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I relate to that so much because I, I grew up in Orange County and there are parts of Orange County where there are like large Asian communities, but that was not where mm. I was. So being one of like, five to 10 Asian kids in your school. And I also had the experience of weekends, go visit cousins in, you know, the San Gabriel Valley area. Um, So that really resonates with me. And this actually makes me think of um, a very moving post that you had shared on LinkedIn. In 2019, you talked about how, um, uh, how you were going about to reclaim your heritage. You shared a quote. You said, your mother said to you, look in the mirror, Vanessa, you are Asian. You are Chinese. You cannot hide from it yet you despise your Chinese heritage. You might be American by birth, but if you don't embrace being Chinese, you'll always be living two lives and you'll hate yourself for it. That is such a powerful, powerful statement. Um, Can you share with us what led to this conversation with your mom where she would share the Mm. sentiment with you? Yeah, it was a really big turning point for me, just my identity. Um, Even before college, I remember thinking, oh, I don't want to go to a college that has too many Asian people. So I remember mm. being at Berkeley on Telegraph Hill, looking around, and I said, there's too many Asian people here. Mm. Like, why yeah, is that yeah, a reason yeah. to deny Berkeley, right? And mm-hmm. so, like, my de- mom would just roll her eyes, and she had a really soft approach usually. And so when I got back home freshman year of college, and I was driving with her to San Gabriel Valley, I was just rolling my eyes, giving major attitude about all the things we had to do as an obligation. Mm. Um, and she said this to me. And I was, like, kind of took my breath away, and it stopped me in my tracks because— I never heard her so emphatic about Mm -hmm. really anything. Mm -hmm. And I think she was just fed up about how I was so racist against myself and like Mm -hmm. how I grew up. And even though it's such a big part of me, obviously. And so when she said that to me, it stuck with me for that whole summer to the point where when I got back freshman year at UCSD, I remember telling my roommate, we're besties. She happens to be white. And I just remember saying, like, I think I'm going to go check out this Asian business club mm-hmm. and just see what it's about. And that really opened me up to some of my best friends today. Um, and it allowed me to like, feel comfortable and validated and just really comfortable in my own skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and that journey has obviously progressed over the last couple of years. But when I think about you know 2019 and why I wrote that, 
it was such a pivotal time in health aid where we were probably doing close to a hundred million at that point in sales. Our company was hitting great scale, but I wasn't feeling happy Mm. and just who I was and my identity still felt a little bit like a hole. And Mm. so that's when I also started to invest time giving back to the Asian community, mentoring other Asian American entrepreneurs. And that really kind of sent me on the journey of really motivating me. And so that was a turning point for me too. Wow. I mean, I feel like in your journey too, especially I feel like within the kombucha world, for some reason, I just imagine that being a very white male potentially. Is that true? 100%. Like world. Yes. So yeah. for you to be one of the founders of this huge company, like how does that make you feel as an Asian woman in this like space? Yeah. I mean, the beverage industry in of itself is very much an old boys mm-hmm. club. And then... The investor world is very much an old boys club. There's very few women, let alone very few Asian women that Mm -hmm. sit around the table. Mm -hmm. I can probably count them on like two hands, Mm -hmm. not even just beverage, but just total CBG. And it just, I I remember the challenges always being mental. It was always like, can I go toe to toe Mm -hmm. with that person across the table, whether it be an investor, whether it be a prospective investor or a buyer, a customer, or because I was always kind of like, I, I remember going to many meetings and people were like, oh, I would go in with like my director or VP and they're like, oh, like, they, you know, I'm Asian, so I look younger than them. And mm. so they're like, oh, is this like your intern or something to the guy? Uh, yeah. And so it's just always being treated like that. Yeah. And I always had to find ways just to subtly make my presence known without being you know, too overt about mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. And also just mentally psyching myself up for those big conversations to know that I can go toe to toe. But it just took a lot of like, you know, internal like pumping up to like yeah. do the thing. Yeah. Um, and it, it did help that I had great co-founders alongside me in this who also, even though, you know, only one of them is female and none of them are Asian, very much we're always on the same wavelength on how to pump each other up to be the best version of ourselves in whatever we were doing. Yeah, that is, yeah, that's great to hear. I'm glad that your co-founders were able to support you in that mm-hmm. way because I can imagine it being a very lonely and just like mentally draining journey to be sort of like the only one in the room. I think a question that I have, and I'm sure a lot of people would benefit from this, like what are those subtle things that mm. you actually said to yourself or did to really pump yourself up in those situations? Yeah, so like Beyonce was like a big music yeah. thing in the morning. Um, and I, I learned- <laughs> and okay. I, any specific song? Um, just like Survivor, basically. Oh, I mean, oh I yeah. Yes. Time, yes. But I feel like, and Jumpin' Jumpin' is okay. usually yeah. like, um, So I guess I should say more Destiny's Child. Beyonce was more of like in my emo times when mm-hmm. I needed to like just unwind. Yeah. Um, but in the morning, I would also do these things called power poses. So it's like, oh, yeah. you know, you're just kind of in the mirror going like, huh, huh. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I got this. Um, I love that, yes. And then I didn't start it until I was pregnant with my first, but these affirmations. So mm-hmm. I started mm-hmm. reading affirmations when I was pregnant, but I, I continued that after that um, for like three years that I was still with the business because those affirmations don't just apply to pregnant women. It's actually to anyone. Like Mm. you can do hard things. Like you know what the journey is. You've done it before. You can get through this next dark time. Mm. And like many themes like that. So I feel like I always kept that on my mirror. Um, And as much as I hate to admit it, like I would always like, I I never like to ask for help, but my husband's been a great support for the ups and the downs. So I do get to come home to a really great support system. Is your husband also in the same industry? No. 
Like he, well, he would not be in beverage. He's a lawyer, so really fun oh. stuff. Mm. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Lots of text. Yes, yes. <laughs> Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swathers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swathers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swathers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With free and gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, let's talk about, I want to hear more about just this health aid journey. What did those initial days of building out health aid look like? It was gritty, to say the least. Mm. I mean, it, I was personally still working my pharma job. I was going to school and building this nights and weekends. And it oh, was physically taxing because damn, we made yeah. everything ourselves. So it was these two and a half gallon glass jars. Oh we're moving them ourselves. I feel like I was in the best shape of my life. But <laughs> it was like late night brewing. It was farmer's markets on the weekend. Oh, my gosh. I had to work once like 5 a.m. And I still had a very active social life. So I was going out to like one or two. So like, yeah. I was burning you know, the candle at both ends really um but it was also the most thrilling time like Mm. even though we had no idea what the path forward was it was like one foot in front of the other it was probably the most like thrilling adrenaline rush um in the most physically taxing way Mm. um and there were tears and there was blood i mean like we don't know machines and yet we're like you know utilizing a machine but like all that stuff happened um so many stories that are like low points but also when i look back it's like what made our story Mm real yeah um and something that you can never replicate what do you think was the hardest part of this entire journey oh it was more of the mental and emotional strength to get through certain elements so you know like not knowing if you can make payroll next week Mm -hmm. um to pay your employees who are like literally laying out on the line um 
trying to get and close investments so that you can like feel the growth because you're out of stock everywhere. And like, that's mm-hmm. just causing so much stress. So like holding that mental strength, I think mm-hmm. was always the hardest thing. Yeah. And I didn't know the toll that I took on my health because like my adrenal, I feel like I was in adrenal fatigue and just the burden that you hold in your head. You wake up in the middle of the night thinking, did I forget something? Mm-hmm. And like, that's just something that entrepreneurs... Choose a little bit, Mm -hmm. Um, but that was always the toughest—the emotional strife and the mental burden of everything. Yeah. Wow. I I had a quick question for your founders. Like, were you guys friends before you guys co-founded HealthAid? Yeah. So me and Dinah, we actually met at our first jobs in pharma, and we became best friends just partying in our early twenties together. Justin was how we met. It sometimes forms the best thing. It does. does. A little alcohol. Yeah. A little different things. Like, okay, let's take it to reality now. Yeah. Yeah. And then Justin was actually her boyfriend at the time and now husband. Oh, okay. And I think the better success of Health Aid is that we're still best friends and they're mm. still married because lots happens in a business for 11 yeah. years. And, you know, I think that's the better success of everything. Yeah. How, actually, how does that work with like, because are you are you like equally equal like founders, basically, the three of you and then their husband and wife combo where you like, come on, hubby, get out of your lawyer job. Got to join. Let's do this. It's like a couple <laughs> thing. I'm here at third wheeling. Um. Well, it's funny because I feel like we always had like equal founder everything. Yeah. But I feel like it was either me or Justin and me at Dinah. It was never like them that were together oh, in decision making, oddly enough. Yeah. Um. And so I never want to work with my husband in that capacity during mm. that time. I met him in 2016, which was like the throes of health aid. We're like scaling from our old brewery to our current brewery. And so he only knew me as kombucha chick when he first started dating. <laughs> kombucha and chick, I love that. I just think it's okay to keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just there to I give see. me the conservative, like, did you get Lori to check that out? Like, yeah. you know, like, so no need for him to join the beverage. Yeah. He was there as a great like support. I think it's because there's like three of you guys. We always say like for us at ABG, it's like it's so like I, we can't imagine doing it alone. Mm. Like the stress, just oh, like yeah. everything yeah. in general. So the fact that you have two others must have been so like. Well balanced. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like when you're feeling or having a down day, one of you, yeah, there's two others to pick you up, right? Yep, and like totally. same with us. And it is lonely, the solopreneur. like, And it's not as fun sometimes. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. maybe more efficient decision making, but it takes away from, I think, the zest of it all. Mm, I agree. Most definitely. I mean, talking about the challenges of being an entrepreneur in the early days, especially, you mentioned that you were balancing your pharma job when you first started this. Um, Can you describe to us, you shared with us kind of maybe the working struggle of that, but I guess from like a social and family perspective, what was it like, like sharing with your friends and family that you're going to go from this like cushy, pharma sales job and you're like, I want to start a kombucha company or I'm, I'm starting, you know, my own business. Like what was navigating that like? Yeah. So I know in business school, I, I made that decision to do my own thing um, and quit my job. And as I was seeding my friends, they're like, are you going to be able to do that. You're going to make no money. And what I did is I took a 100K student loan out to basically fund my life for two years. And if I didn't make it after those two years, I said I would get a job. So that's Ah, ultimately like how I made it work for myself. But my friends were like, I don't know if you're going to be able to just live. Like you live large. And I'm like, 
I'll be fine. Like, you know, I can take care of myself. When I told my parents, that was a whole can of worms because my dad thought I was depressed and emotionally distraught because he just assumed I'd broken up with someone and making irrational decisions. (laughs) And my mom also thought I was making irrational decisions. And so she made a spreadsheet of all my like lost wages, opportunity, benefits, 401k. And then they enlisted my sister who's always like, really great in everything like she older or younger? Is, she's younger uh, and yeah. she is you know steady job great everything uh, does all the right things works for amazon you know good job yeah um they enlisted her to be the good cop to basically like talk to me softly about the decisions i'm making mm-hmm. and i just remember it was right before i was going to go to this club event and i was at a gas station in hollywood and bronson and I was just crying on the phone with my parents saying like, look, I'm going to do this with or without your support, mm. but you can either be with me or you're against me. And I, I, I'm, I have faith in myself. I can do this. If not, I have money to live and I'm going to get a job afterwards. Like I'm competent, right? Yeah. And so I just quit my job two weeks after that. And that was stressful. I felt like Eminem, like palms are sweaty. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I'm going to throw up, but... After I told my boss at the time in pharma I was going to leave, it was the biggest weight leaving Mm. that room ever. Um, Mm. And then it was on, right? It was like, okay, health aid is on. Let's do this. And then never looked back. How long were you at the pharma job for? Um, I think like five years. Oh, wow. It was at that point where it's like, okay, do I go down this managerial track? Mm. Or in business school, do I go into like, the glamorous world of consulting, which is not that mm. glamorous, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was kind of the crossroads I was in. Mm. But I was also inspired to do my own thing. And I wanted to try that. Yeah. And so your friend was also working with you, Dinah. Yeah. So did she also quit at the exact same time or before or after? Um, she quit like six months after me. Okay. Um, oh, so you were the first. I was you, the first. Yeah. yeah. So okay. I quit, then Justin quit, then Dinah quit. We all you quit. made it easy for them. Yes. yes okay. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I quit, I remember two weeks before their wedding um, because I wanted to just hang out in Toronto, you know, have a little vacation. And I had, you know, taken that student loan out. So I had a little bit of cushion. And then, you know, they subsequently quit when they got their lives in order, too. So by the end of 2013, we were all into the business. Wow. And it, is, was it mostly because the sales were growing and you just had a lot of traction? And you're yeah. like, okay, this can be a thing. Yeah, it was okay. exactly that. There was so much demand. We couldn't make enough. We were constantly selling out. It was bursting at the seams no. that basically told us, like, if we don't give it the attention it needs, it's just not going to take off, right? Yeah, it's like a waste so, opportunity. Yeah, and yeah. so once we quit our jobs, we're like, oh, it's on, like donkey, like we got to, we got to push like this. Donkey donkey donkey. Donkey. Yeah. 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 Like we were pushing it. Yeah. yeah. Like, I like feel the energy. I I'm like, I'm I like, know. I'm like, Dang. Okay, first off, I love like the, the tenacity. You're like, I'm going to do it with or without you. Like you yeah. believed in yourself so fully. That's so amazing. But obviously Healthy is doing amazing and you guys are like building this. You guys all went full time. Was there a moment when you were like, I think we're like mainstream. I think you really like made it. Like, was there like a, you saw a celebrity holding it outside of Trader Joe's or like, what was the moment you thought like, y'all, we, I think we made it. Oh, okay. So yes, there were some celebrities. I'm like, whoa, that's so cool. Like, um, the Kardashians, um, Hailey Bieber and Justin Bieber, like they're, you know, often, uh, photographed without they, but I think my it moment was when I was driving off of a freeway and I saw healthy litter on the ground <sighs> And I saw, like, a little down the way, like, a homeless person drinking L.A. I'm like, all right. Yes, like, if we're litter in L.A., then 
I think we've made it. I don't know. Like, yeah. That to That's me was more funny. of like, a, okay, we're trash now. Like, we're yeah. on the floor. <laughs> You're all over. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, who needs Bieber? Who needs yeah. Yeah. I did not expect that answer, but I don't mind it. <laughs> that's so funny. We see ABG merch on the floor. We made it. Yeah. Like, I think it'd be sad with a. <laughs> that's like a waste of good sweatshirt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? That's why I have another tangent about that. But, um, and I think obviously, like, the three of you guys are like the co-founders and like it's a lot of pressure like but you're also like an Asian female in the C-suite like can you describe how that like how like how was that like for you like the pressures and like the things you learned mm. yeah I mean I feel like every year or every six months it was a leveling up right mm. so like founders don't often become the executives within their company yeah and so just because the scale is bigger or they're just not suited for that or they don't want to be that. Mm -hmm. And so for us, the brand did need that founder touch kind of throughout those 11 years. And, you know, kind of building and growing with the business took a lot like of self-discovery. Yeah. Both in the EQ managerial sense, because I never managed anyone before that. So I'm like, oh, I have to put on my leadership hat mm -hmm. and like figure yeah. out how to really, you know, galvanize the company. Um, so that was a big deal. And then two is, I remember in 2017, I spoke at, it was my first Asian Business Association event. And I didn't realize how many Asians own businesses. I mean, obviously they do. I just yeah. didn't see it. Yeah. And I, for the first time, saw it in front of me. And it was at that moment that I felt like I was representing just like being a role model for people in like growth mode, right? Like mm -hmm. people trying to grow in their careers or people trying to build a business. Mm -hmm. And I don't take that lightly at all. And it was that moment that I just felt like a responsibility to, you know, to give back. And you know, even in our hiring practices, I'm all for hiring the best person. Mm -hmm. But I'm also thinking like, how do we increase the talent pool? And, you know, given that opportunity as a founder and executive, like how do we look elsewhere where, you know, I mentioned it's very much in the old boys club in beverage and you know, CPG. Mm. Like, how do we diversify our talent pool to make sure we get the best talent vying for the jobs that we need to hire for? Mm. Um, so I had that luxury and I just hope that other Asian professionals do as well. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. I wanted to say that I love, like, it's so cool to me that like wrapped up into your career journey is so much of this like identity, looking to know who you are that ties back to your heritage. Because I think what was key to me is like for you, it wouldn't, you wouldn't have been able to make the shifts and find the path that you wanted without confronting your relationship with your heritage and your culture. Um, and then just being a woman as well. So I think that that, to me, that's like a big part of your story that is just so natural and authentic and really beautiful. And I really hope that inspires anyone else out there who might be struggling to figure out their career path mm -hmm. to know that um, they have to kind of do some of these like inner, this inner work of confronting yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that inner work was a lot. And it was, you know, I did everything from like breath work to coaching to therapy and, um, and just journaling. And I'm not a meditator, but um, you need to do things for your own nourishment. And yeah. I needed that at different mm -hmm. points in time. Yeah. Do you feel like you innately were always like a natural born leader? Mm. That's a great question. So when I was in grade school, I just remember always wanting to be the leader, but always really shy, if mm. that makes sense. So like yeah. I would always want to raise my hand to read Aww. or do something, but I always felt like really embarrassed and shy. Mm. And like, oh, never mind. Take yeah, it back. So <laughs> like my, heart, my arm would be like right here. Yeah. 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 So there's a desire, but maybe mm. not the confidence. Yeah. And so... 
I think that was always in me to a certain extent. And then one time I remember like someone pushed my sister. She's four years younger than me. Like, and I was maybe like 10. And so I was like, oh, hell no. And so like, even at that point, I was like, I am going to defend and like what's right. And like, I'm going to show this guy what's up. But so like, there was always in me like this righteousness. Mm. Um, But I don't think I gained the confidence until way later. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And then that came out in your like work too, because you were kind of forced to be this leader post-college. All of a sudden you're like, I'm in this role where I have to be a leader for all of these people. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, you know, public speaking, you have to like set the direction. You Mm -hmm. have to be strong in the face of like tribulation and trial. And so like none of those things like prepare, you don't like prepare for that. It's kind of like you're thrown into this fire and you figure it out. out. Um, And so I think some people are suited for that and some people don't love that or don't feel comfortable in that. And that's okay. Do you feel like that grew over time that you eventually learned to love it or has it always been like a kind of more of a, a struggle, but like you've always just wanted it? I think I thrive a little bit on the chaos. Like oh. I like, so right now um, I've since left health aid and I'm in this time, beautiful time of having um, time with my babies, exploring my purpose, but I realize I'm not a good rester. And mm. so I kind of like this, like I'm doing something. I always have something going on or looking forward to. So that's just in me. And I'm not going to shy away from that anymore. Mm. Like I just need to know that about me and yeah. kind of work within this system so I don't drive myself crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of, like something that I feel like we relate on a lot is just motherhood. You have a 17-month-old and... Three. A three-year-old. Oh, oh my, my gosh. Goodness. That is wild. That's wild. It, it feels wild. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, when you say that, it feels yes. wild. <laughs> I love that you're spending more intentional time with them. So, I mean, just you briefly mentioned you left health aid. Was that like a big decision for you mm-hmm. or what was the reason for leaving? It was a big decision at the time. So our investors actually purchased us two, a couple years ago. And I think with anything, with different type of ownership, mm-hmm. it's just a different type of atmosphere, right? Yeah. Like we're no we're always the founders, but we're no longer, you know, the decision makers, so to speak, um, in in all ways. And I don't do well in that type of situation. Mm. And I've learned that about myself. And so when I had my second baby and I came back, I always wanted to be there for the brand to make sure the company was shepherded in the right way through a transition. Um, But I knew when I came back from having my second baby that it wouldn't be a long-term thing. I just wanted to make sure there was a strong transition with Mm. the right leadership and the right person to lead the brand. And me and Dinah left together. And so now, you know, the whole company doesn't have founders involved in the business, which is a big deal in of itself. But I'm also really proud of the team that's still there because it just shows that we built a great system. We built a strong brand people who feel emboldened enough and empowered to carry the mission forward. And for that, I'm very grateful. And so in that way, it was easy um, because I really believed in them. Um, But, you know, the last couple of months, it's been a weird identity shift because for so long, 11 years, people mostly knew me as Health Aid and the co-founder of Health Aid. As your husband did. Kombucha. 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 (laughs) And so I needed to confirm for myself that I have much more value beyond Mm. just my business, which is its own identity confrontation in its own way. And so I've been um, understanding that part of me and just where my purpose is and where are my next steps. And in the meantime, I've been traveling and just experiencing things with my babies that 
I'm really thankful for um, and happy about the flexibility that I have. Yeah. I mean, incredible that you're able to just fully invest this time with your babies, especially because they're so young right now, too. I love yeah. that. I love that for you so, so much. How do you feel like you are sort of like re-energizing yourself? And you mentioned like you're trying to find, you know, what is the next thing or this identity crisis? Like, how are you sort of like feeding your soul yeah. during this time? So I'm a big self-care person just in general. I feel like that's a non-negotiable for me. And it, it can vary like Korean spa. Um, I like to get my nails done usually. Um, just like the little things. Yeah. But what actually, um, what I have to be intentional about it, are my manifestation days. So like I um, used to do this a lot when I was at Health Aid. And I would do it once a month. And I would just take a day to go to my favorite places, whether it be like Malibu, you know, a corner in the Langham Hotel, wherever, like views, I love views. And I would like journal, think about my goals, where am I, strategize for the business or myself. And I did that very, just in a disciplined way with mm -hmm. the business. Mm -hmm. um, as I left the business, I kind of just assumed that like, oh, I have all this time. I'm just going to manifest every day. Mm -hmm. But you don't because things come up, errands come up, you're like meeting this person, you're with ABG, you know, like yeah. things come up. <laughs> And so, you know, after June or after May, I came back from one of our trips and I just feel a little depressed. And so I realized like I missed those manifestation days and kind of my vision setting days for myself. Mm -hmm. And it was a breakthrough moment for me. And I've had to embed that in regularly. So it's August now. So I've done that now three times. And it's fed my soul to just realign me and like keep me core to like the path that I'm on. Yeah. And it's everything from like, my values as like a person, like the goals I set out for myself this year. Like one one goal is like I wanted to have like an Oliver date every week and an Audrey date every week. That's Aww. just me and them and not our nanny. Um, and so I'm able to do that. Or, you know, I wanted to read five books. I'm mm -hmm. like only on th th like little things like yeah. that. And like financial goals with my husband. I want to make sure we're on the same page. And so it's just been really important for us to just stay together in that way. Yeah. I love this. Oh, I'm a I big. Know. I was I'm like, a, I'm going to start applying this. I'm yeah. a big self care girl myself, but I love the fact that you have set days. Like, I'm going to talk about like, like kind of remind myself and be in touch with my values and my goals as I set the path for what I want next. I should. I'm it's judge. very easy to get lost. Yeah, yeah. it's very easy yeah. to get lost. Not just in work, but especially like as a mom, it's like so easy to just feel oh, like yeah. every day there's something going on. Oh yeah, the you days have to be intentional. Fly. Yeah, totally. You have to be intentional taking time for yourself. Hundred percent. Yes, this I need to also manifestation days. Yeah, sure, so they all plan at the same time, but so different places. I was gonna say, like, okay. yeah, different corners of a hotel. Yeah. Oh, I love this. Yeah, Can different we come together and drink. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what? So speaking of manifestation, I guess like going back to Health Aid, which you kind of helped bring to reality, the slogan of Health Aid is to follow your gut. And Vanessa, obviously, when we look at kind of the past that you've had, you definitely followed your gut. Uh, for any of our listeners or viewers out there who are struggling a bit to follow their own gut, but they have that sense, kind of like, you know, like they want to raise a hand, but they don't quite have the confidence. So they want to quit their job, but they don't quite have the confidence. What suggestions would you give to them? in this point in their life in, the, in that transition period? Yeah. So, you know, a couple of things. Like, I don't think you have to drastically 
quit your job and like a fiery ending and be like, I'm doing this now. You know, there's a lot of corporate people out there that just want to take stepwise changes. And, you know, for example, LinkedIn, they have so many different like clubs and like ways to interface with different opportunities, whether it be diversity or leadership. So like, you know, dabble. Um, there's mm. no, like, I think being a lifelong learner is just so important. And so like, Take, uh, participating and taking part in those types of learning activities may spark something that you never know. Um, and then for me, like even personally right now, like I'm in a sculpture and ceramics class and like I am not an art person like that. But it's kind of sparked in me kind of this like creativity that I really enjoy tapping into. Mm -hmm. So, you know, same way, like if someone wants to tap into their creativity, it's like do an extracurricular after the workday. Like yeah. if you want to do something health and wellness related, like, you know, try one of your health and wellness recommendations. Like, why not try it? Like, mm -hmm. there's no harm in that. Um, and, you know, someone said to me, like, if you don't ask the always, the answer is always no. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you don't try it, you're never going to know, yeah. like fully, right? So why not just dabble while you can? Like and obviously when you get older and you have more responsibilities, whether it be family or financial, things color your ability mm -hmm. to take those steps. But I'm like, definitely um, aligned to the idea that where there's a will, there's a way. And so if you and your partner talk about like, I want to do this, how do we make this happen? You'll make it happen. Yeah. Um, it's just about being on the same page with them. I love that. Dabble. Yes. That's, and being a lifelong winner. Because I think oftentimes we start thinking like, I have to find the one thing and what is my one thing? Mm -hmm. And maybe there isn't. And, you know, being able to change all the time. And in order to change, you have to kind of try different things. So mm -hmm. yeah, thank you for sharing that. Well, I want to kind of take a page from your journaling and ask you a question about your future. Is I guess like what's next for you uh, in terms of like, do you want to start a new business? Like what what can we be looking forward to? Yeah. So um, I have a long list of ideas in my idea book right now. Um, but I have realized that I don't think I'm a good, I advise for a ton of companies and I love it because I love being kind of in the midst mm. of this journey with entrepreneurs. But I also love being in the midst of just like operating and, mm. and doing the thing. So I think I do want to start my own thing, but I ve have very much like PTSD around mm. the food and beverage world. Like now that I know it, I'm like, whoa, why do I want to get back into it? <laughs> yeah. But um, so I'm thinking about different ideas, anything from like, for example, like I'm trying to think about ways to teach my kids about like money and entrepreneurship because all they know now is what I would tell them about health aid. Mm. But like, maybe there could be like a how I built this for like a kid's book or something. Yeah. Um, or it ranges to anything like how do I use AI to help disrupt the beverage industry? So maybe whoever's listening will take those ideas, but like it ranges <laughs> the gamut of things um, from like kids related things to disruption with technology. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to find things that align with like my cups and making sure they're full. So yeah. I still want flexibility. I still want time to do like my non-negotiable, spend time with like my kids. And I'm not trying to kill myself again like I did with the business with health aid. Mm. And so I'm trying to do it in a way that's a lot more smart um, mm. and something that's aligned to just purpose, which is, you know, my values, staying optimistic, love, family, um, supporting females and Asian entrepreneurs. Like that is very much where I see the energy and heat map for myself. Yeah. Ooh, oh, I love that. What an Asian boss girl. Oh, my yeah. goodness. <laughs> I'm so excited. You're going to take over the world. Oh, literally. <laughs> yes. Like from children to AI. Like, yeah. <laughs> like the, the spread is ridiculous. Um, but thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. We're going to um, end this with a few fun questions for you. Mm, okay. So uh, 
favorite health aid flavor? Oh, okay. So this is hard because it's kind of, they all have its place, but I've always been a spicy type person. I love spicy flavors. And this is one of our original flavors, Cayenne Cleanse. Mm. So um, that's one of my faves. Okay. How often do you drink health aid? Not one of the questions. So interestingly, I drink it now maybe like once a week. But my husband, I kombucha chick has turned him into like a two a day drinker. Yeah, (laughs) he drinks way more than I do now. Wow. Um, So we have a regular stock for him. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Favorite non health aid beverage for winding down. Oh, okay. So matcha lattes are just my jam. Mm. Um, Anywhere, anytime, matcha lattes is just soothing, iced, hot. Sweetened, unsweetened, however you, you want to make it, that's my jam. Okay. Mm, Have you been matcha. to Bopomofo Cafe? Yes. Okay. Yes. Do you get the matcha, the carrot no, matcha there? but I always would get just the regular like milk tea. Oh, I love the milk tea. Um, the carrot matcha is great. Because really? the carrot juice is like a natural yeah. sweetener. And you would never think of that combo, but okay. it tastes very good. Yeah. 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 Okay. What is one thing on your bucket list that you hope to cross off one day? I want to travel to every continent wow. at some point. Okay. Um like, I think Antarctica, obviously, is, like, harder. Yeah. Maybe I'll do that in, like, 18 years when, like, kids are gone. But, like, I want to go to every continent. That's cool. Oh, I love that. I love that. One of my friends, I think she's trying to do a marathon on every continent. I was like, wow. Have fun in Antarctica. That's aggressive. I know. Yeah, that's aggressive. Oh, yeah. It is. Not to say, like, your goals aren't enough, but I was just like, that's... Anyway, um, I would love to do that as well. What would a perfect day look like for you? Um. You know, I, nothing crazy, really. It's kind of just like waking up without an alarm clock, mm. like not being like, oh, I have to wake up by 6.30, just waking up naturally, have, like having the kids just wake up naturally and it's not a fight and we have breakfast and just like a normal, like not loud session. Oh, man. Um, work out after dropping them off, like to school, having lunch with, or catching up like time with my best friends, um, maybe taking a couple hours with my husband working on something that really brings me joy, whatever that may be, and just sitting down together with the family. Like, it's not Mm. crazy. Although I love experiences, I'm always down for experiences. My perfect day is actually quite Mm. boring. Simple, though. Yeah. 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 But it's also core to your values, too. All of those things that you touched upon. Yeah. Which I love. Um, Okay, last question. Where can our listeners connect with you? Um, So I am on Instagram and LinkedIn, um, Vanessa Du. Uh, Vanessa do something. I, I'm not uh, Vanessa. I think it's Vanessa do on LinkedIn and Vanessa do on Instagram. D E W do. Yeah, D E W. Vanessa D E W. Thank you for having me, ladies. Thank oh you for gosh. your story. Yeah, thank you so much for being here with us, Vanessa, and sharing your story. I personally was very inspired through multiple parts, and I'm sure a lot of listeners and viewers out there were as well. Um, and then, if you want to get in contact with Vanessa, look up Vanessa do on LinkedIn or Instagram. Um, and I don't know, is there any last parting words that you want to leave? Um, let's see, parting words. I guess it's something that I said earlier in the podcast. It's like, if uh, you never ask, the answer is always no. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I think it goes for everything, like asking a girl for a number, like asking for a raise at your job, like asking to be participating in whatever group you're trying to you know, participate in. Yeah. Um, the, you're never going to know if you just don't ask. Love that. Thank you so much. Once again, we are Asian Boss Girl. We have uh, episodes that come out every Thursday and also Tuesdays in our mini show. You can find us on every podcasting platform. And if you do, please give us a follow, give us a subscribe, uh, leave us a review. That really helps us out. Thank you so much. And with that, we'll catch you all in the next episode. Bye. Bye.